Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. episode is supported by Baby Goats. Tonight, we'll be reading from the Ladies' Book of Etiquette and Manual of Politeness, written in 1860 by Florence Hartley. Hartley was a Victorian-era writer whose work was meant for women of the era, covering topics of etiquette and needlework. She was also an advocate for women's health. get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Chapter 4 How to Behave at a Hotel In America, where the mania for traveling extends through all classes, from the highest to the lowest, a few hints upon deportment at a hotel will not be amiss, and these hints are especially addressed to ladies traveling alone. When you arrive at the hotel, inquire at once for the proprietor, Tell him your name and address, and ask him to conduct you to a good room, naming the length of time you purpose occupying it. You may also request him to wait upon you to the table and allot you a seat. 
as the hours for meals at a large hotel are very numerous. It is best to mention the time when you wish to breakfast, dine, or sup. If you stay more than one day at the hotel, do not tax the proprietor with the duty of escorting you to the table more than once. Request one of the waiters always to meet you as you enter and wait upon you to your seat. This saves the embarrassment of crossing the room entirely unattended, while it shows others that you are a resident at the house. The waiter will then take your order for the dishes you wish. Give this order in a low tone and do not harass the waiter by contradicting yourself several times. Decide what you want before you ask for it, and then give your order quietly but distinctly. Use always the butter knife, salt spoon, and sugar tongs, though you may be entirely alone in the use of them. The attention to the small details of table etiquette is one of the surest marks of good breeding. If any trifling civility is offered by the gentleman beside you, or opposite to you, thank him civilly if you either accept or decline it. Thank the waiter for any extra attention he may offer. Remember that a lady-like deportment is always modest and quiet. If you meet a friend at table and converse, let it be in a tone of voice sufficiently loud for him to hear but not loud enough to reach ears for which the remarks are not intended. A boisterous, loud voice, loud laughter, and bold deportment at a hotel are sure signs of vulgar breeding. When you have finished your meal, cross the room quietly. If you go into the parlor, do not attract attention by a hasty entrance or forward manner, but take the seat you may select quietly. The acquaintances made in a hotel may be dropped afterwards, if desirable, without rudeness, and a pleasant greeting to other ladies whom you may recognize from meeting them in the entries or at a table, is courteous and well-bred. Be careful, however, not to force attentions where you see they may not be agreeably received. A lady's dress, when alone at a hotel, should be of the most modest kind. At breakfast, let her wear a close morning dress and never, even at supper, appear alone at the table with bare arms or neck. If she comes in late from the opera or a party in full dress, she should not come into the supper room unless her escort accompanies her. A traveling or walking dress can be worn with perfect propriety at any meal at a hotel, as it is usually travelers who are the guests at a table. After breakfast, Pass an hour or two in the parlor, unless you are going out, whilst the chambermaid puts your room in order. You should, before leaving the room, lock your trunk 
and be careful not to leave money or trinkets lying about. When you go out, lock your door and give the key to the servant to hand to the clerk of the office, who will give it to you when you return. You may do this even if you leave the room in disorder, as the chambermaids all carry duplicate keys and can easily enter your room in your absence to arrange it. The door should not be left open, as dishonest persons passing along the entry could enter without fear of being questioned. If you see that another lady, though she may be an entire stranger, is losing her collar or needs attention called to any disorder in her dress, speak to her in a low tone and offer to assist her in remedying this situation. Be careful always in opening a door or raising a window in a public parlor that you are not incommoding anyone else. Never sit down to the piano uninvited unless you are alone in the parlor. Do not take any book you may find in the room away from it. It is best always to carry writing materials with you, but if this is not convenient, you can always obtain them at the office. In a strange city, it is best to provide yourself with a small map and guidebook that you may be able to find your way from the hotel to any given point without troubling anyone for directions. If you wish for a carriage, ring and let the waiter order one for you. When leaving a hotel, if you have been there for several days, give the waiter at table and the chambermaid a fee as your unprotected situation will probably call for many services out of their regular routine of duties. On leaving, ring, order your bill, pay it, state the time at which you wish to leave and the train you will take to leave the city. Request a man to be sent to carry your baggage to the hack. And if you require your next meal at an unusual hour to be ready for your journey, order it then. Places of Amusement Do not accept an invitation to visit any place of public amusement with a gentleman with whom you are but slightly acquainted, unless there is another lady also invited. You may, as a young lady, go with a relative or your fiancé without a chaperone, but not otherwise. Having received an invitation, which it is proper for you to accept, write an answer immediately, appointing an hour for your escort to call for you, and be sure that you are ready and good season. To arrive late is not only annoying to those near your seat, whom you disturb when you enter, but it is ill-bred. You will be supposed to be someone who is unable to come early, instead of appearing as a lady who is mistress of her own time. If the evening is cloudy or it rains, your escort will probably bring a carriage and let me say a few words here about entering and leaving a carriage. 
How to get in is difficult, but of less importance than getting out. Because if you stumble in, no one sees you, but someone who may happen to be in the carriage. But how to get out is so important that I will illustrate it by a short diplomatic anecdote. The Princess of Hesse-Darmstadt, says Monsieur Merci d'Argenteau, an ambassador of the last century. Having been desired by the Empress of Austria to bring her three daughters to court, in order that her imperial majesty might choose one of them for a wife to one of her sons, drove up in her coach to the palace gate. Scarcely had they entered the presence when, before even speaking to them, the empress went up to the second daughter and, taking her by the hand, said, I choose this young lady. The mother, astonished at the suddenness of her choice, inquired what had actuated it. I watched the young ladies get out of their carriage, said the empress. Your eldest daughter stepped on her dress and only saved herself from falling by an awkward scramble. The youngest jumped from the coach to the ground without touching the steps. The second, just lifting her dress in front, so as she descended to show the point of her shoe, calmly stepped from the carriage to the ground, neither hurriedly nor stiffly, but with grace and dignity. She is fit to be an empress. Her eldest sister is too awkward, her youngest too wild. The theater. Here you must wear your bonnet though you may throw aside your cloak or shawl if you desire it. Your escort will pass to your seats first, and then turn and offer his hand to lead you to your own. Once seated, give your attention entirely to the actors whilst the curtain is up, to your companion when it is down. Do not look round the house with your glass, a lady's deportment should be very modest in the theater. Avoid carefully every motion or gesture that will attract attention. To flirt a fan, converse in whispers, indulge in extravagant gestures of merriment or admiration, laugh loudly or clap your hands together are all excessively vulgar and unladylike. Never turn your head to look at those seated behind you or near you. If you speak to your companion while the curtain is up, lower your voice that you may not disturb others interested in the conversation on the stage. The opera. Here you should wear full dress, an opera cloak, and either a headdress or dressy bonnet of some thin material. Your gloves must be of kid, white, or some very light tint to suit your dress. Many dress for the opera as they would go to the theater, but the beauty of the house is much enhanced by each lady contributing her full dress toilet to the general effect. If you go to the dressing room, leave your hood and shawl in the care of the woman in waiting 
whom you must fee when she returns them to you. If you do not wish to go to the dressing room, allow your escort to take off your shawl or cloak and throw it over the back of the seat. As your opera cloak must be light enough to keep on all the evening, though you may throw it open, you must wear it over a heavier cloak or a shawl. Throw this off in the lobby just before you enter your box. Your gloves you must keep on all the evening. Avoid handling the playbills, as the printing ink will soil your gloves in a matter of minutes, making your hands appear very badly for the rest of the evening. You should be in your seat at the opera before the overture commences. Never converse during the performance. Even the lowest-toned remark will disturb a real lover of music, and these will be near you on all sides. Exclamations of admiration, exquisite, beautiful, lovely, are in the worst taste. Show your appreciation by quiet attention to every note and avoid every exclamation or gesture. In our new opera houses, there are rooms for a promenade, and between the acts, your escort may invite you to walk there. You may accept the invitation with perfect propriety. He will leave the box first, and then offer you his hand. In the lobby, take his arm and keep it until you return to the box. If you have taken your cloak or shawl to your seat, leave them there during the promenade. Return to your seat when the gong sounds the recall that you may not disturb others after the next act commences. In walking up and down in the promenading saloon, you may pass and repass friends, bow the first time you meet them, but not again. If you meet your gentleman friends there, bow, but do not speak. They may join you for once round the room, then allow them to leave you. Your escort will feel justly offended if you allow any other gentleman to engross your attention entirely when he has invited you to the entertainment. Concerts. Here, as at the opera, you may wear a bonnet or not, as you will. Go early to the hall, unless you have secured a seat, and then be in time for the first song. If you are unavoidably late, enter quietly and take a seat near the door. It is very rude to push forward to the front of the hall and either crowd those upon the benches or force some gentleman to offer you his place. If the hall is so crowded that even the back seats are full and a gentleman offers you his place, you should thank him before accepting it. Again, I repeat, do not converse or disturb those around you by exclamations or gesticulations.
Lectures. Two ladies may attend a lecture, unaccompanied by a gentleman, without attracting attention. The dress, bonnet, and cloak worn in the street should be worn in the lecture room, as these are, by no means, occasions for full dress. If you return at an early hour from any place of amusement, invite your escort into the house upon your arrival there and lay aside your bonnet and shawl. If you keep them on, he will conclude that you expect him to shorten his visit. If it is late when you reach home, he will probably decline your invitation to enter. If, however, he accepts it, do not lay aside your shawl, and he will soon leave you. If he asks permission to call in the morning, you must, unless prevented by an imperative engagement, remain at home to see him. Upon your way home from the theater, concert, or opera, speak warmly of the pleasure of the evening and... At parting, thank him for that pleasure. Show by your manner that you have heartily enjoyed the entertainment you owe to his civility. If you are weary, do not allow him to see it. If disappointed, conceal that also. You will be able to find some good points in the performance. Speak of these and ignore the bad ones. If at the theater, opera, or in a concert room, you see an acquaintance, you are not expected to recognize her unless near enough to speak. A lady must not bow to anyone, even her own sister, across a theater or concert room. Accomplishments. In the present age, when education is within the reach of all, both rich and poor, every lady will endeavor to become not only well-educated, but accomplished. It is not, as some will assert, a waste of time or money. Not only the fingers, voice, and figure are improved, but the heart and intellect will become refined and the happiness greatly increased. Take the young lady after a solid basis has been laid in her mind of the more important branches of education and rear upon that basis the structure of lighter education, the accomplishments to cultivate these, disregarding the more solid information, is to build your castle without any foundation and make it not only absurd, but unsteady. The pleasure of hearing from a lady, a cavatina executed in the most finished manner will be entirely destroyed if her first spoken words after the performance are vulgar or her sentence ungrammatical. A lady 
without her piano or her pencil, her library of French, German, or Italian authors, her fancy work and tasteful embroideries is now rarely met with, and it is right that such arts should be universal. No woman is fitted for society until she dances well. For home, unless she is perfect mistress of needlework, for her own enjoyment, unless she has at least one accomplishment to occupy thoughts and fingers in her.